episode this is the first episode where we are doing our first media review so media review means movies tv show or anything like that and i have a very special guest all right this is my son everybody welcome my son <sighs> yay this is isaac isaac say hello hi nice to meet you i'm isaac that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. Nice to meet you. Everyone. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Lion's Den Nation or Lion Tree Nation. Um, say hello to my son, Isaac. Ladies, he's eligible. That's disgusting. Yeah, I can't do that. All right, let's just start over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So today we are going to, like I said, we're going to um, review our first uh batch of media and today's special because we're going to be reviewing one of our favorite favorite shows we've binged it we've watched it over and over again we took down copious amounts of notes and the show that we're going to be reviewing wh wait what's 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 <laughs> up what's, what's, down so this is a, a special episode where we review stranger things stranger things in particular stranger things season three yeah so what do you think isaac overall what do you do you like it yes do you like the series I, yes i think it's very i mean i didn't grow up in the time but it's very nostalgic okay so when you say nostalgia like when you think nostalgic what do you what are you thinking like you're thinking like it like what does nostalgia do, do for you i don't know it's just like i just think of like we should have had a demogorgon right here <laughs> demogorgon lion anyways you think what like sort of stereotypical like when you think of retro and and things like that like uh the 80s is just like nostalgia um that's funny because for me nostalgia is like uh like the 70s and the 60s like all the hippies and stuff like that that's what i think of as nostalgia um but yeah man i'm telling you what this this series and i'll talk a little bit more at the end of it at the end of the podcast but this series is just one of the most accurate representations of the 80s that i've with with exception of movies from the 80s of course but like period a period piece because this is technically a period piece because that was 30 years ago right right and actually it was more than 30 years ago 10 20 yep um because it happens before 1989 it's 2019 uh, 84 so is the first 80, 83 84 right um and i think i i think i calculate i think these kids are essentially like three years older than me would be three years older than me let's see because they're 12 11 is 12 right or something I, something like that they're something like that they're in middle school they're in eighth grade yeah because i didn't go to middle school till the late 80s so yeah they're about four years ahead of me probably four or five years but yeah from the onset from the moment that we saw the first season was fantastic um i, I it just brought so many memories so many memories to me uh, as a matter of fact I, I remember i think it was in the 80s i can't remember what movie it was but they used our high school for a movie back in the 80s i want to i think it was teen wolf 
or something else. I can't remember. I can't remember what movie they filmed there. But I remember thinking, oh, that's so neat that they, but they filmed a movie, a period piece in the, at the, at our high school there. You've mm -hmm. seen our high school. It looks really cool. And <clears throat> I'll put a picture of our, of what our high school looks like. Um, you'll see it right here. And, uh, but the gymnasium is what they used from what I remember. And they used it to portray the fifties. Oh, okay. And so to me, like back in the eighties, the fifties and the sixties were nostalgic. Like, whoa, remember the fifties and sixties. And that's what the, that's what to you with the eighties would be the like, 80s, right. like I was thinking, you know, the fifties and you're, you know, this is, this is super old for you. <laughs> um, but I think you could probably still relate. Can you relate to any of it? Uh, some of it. I remember having VHS tapes when we, um, like VHS systems and v the little tiny TVs when we lived in Colleen. Yeah, but VHS, did we have, I remember we had our first VHS player in 1989. And, um, let so me see. Let the me, end of the 80s. Yeah, we had our first uh, VHS player in 1989 and the very first VHS movie we bought, because I remember I wanted it so bad, I bought it before we even had a VHS player, was, was the original, the... Michael Keaton Batman, the first Batman movie that they made outside of Adam West, and that was um, that was a really really cool um, cool thing to uh, to have. I remember having the VHS before we actually had the VHS player, <laughs> and we bought a VHS player just so we could watch the movie Batman. Um, but yeah, it was expensive. I'm like, I'm gonna buy this movie. I don't know how we're gonna play it, but you know, we're gonna have it. Uh, let me see here. Got to send a message real quick. Oh, another thing that they, um, have, that's a big theme in the show, uh -huh. um, that we still have today is the Dungeons and Dragons. Cause people play that all the time still. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because when we were growing up, anybody who played Dungeons and Dragons, we were told to stay away from cause they were devil kids. Like I'm dead serious. Uh, we grew up, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for, you know, the last several episodes, we grew up very religious and we were told to stay away from Dungeons and Dragons. It's really funny because that was the big thing in the seventies and the eighties. Dungeons and Dragons is of the devil and everything like that. And rock music is of the devil. It's Satan and, and, and kiss was Kings and Satan's service and all this ridiculous stuff that we look back now and laugh, but culturally that's what you know, people were afraid of for their children. And then in the nineties, it was Pokemon. They were like, Oh, these are just representations of little demons that you can carry around in your life. And, and so Pokemon was, a was code word for pocket monsters or something like that. And, uh, I don't even know what the 2000, the 2000s, it was probably, you know, the advent of the internet and a whole bunch of different things. And, you know, a lot of Craigslist. people, uh, well, I don't know about that. No, that wasn't necessarily a, like a stay away from Craigslist or anything like that. I can't remember what, necessarily was the big vice in the 2000s um but you know the point is that um dungeons and dragons was um was really frowned upon mm -hmm. by you know christian circles like stay away from it and now we look back at it and it's like tame compared to like the video games that are out today right. the music is tame compared to i mean it's class there's classic rock stations and you listen to that music like oh yeah i remember those days you know and it was um it was uh just frowned upon then but now it's looked at let's look, look at with normal yeah it's not just normal but um get up closer a little bit a little bit closer just a little bit yeah um it was a little bit um disdained but people now look at it with 
fondness and they're like, oh, those are the days, simpler mm-hmm. times. And, you know, we didn't have all, obviously, we didn't have all the fangled dangled stuff that we have now, especially all the capabilities that we have now to to film and to do this podcast and everything like that. None of that was available. But, um, yeah, so Dungeons and Dragons, it's like tame. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at, I mean, there's a lot of like, I mean, it's not any worse than Harry Potter. Right. Harry Potter and well, I guess some people would probably not want their kids watching Harry Potter. Um, but we watch it. So, um, we're okay. Um, I don't know. So yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. That's how it all started. Mm-hmm. So I guess some people that are real extreme would be like, see what happens when you play with the devil's games, you open up worlds that you don't know. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, we could have a discussion about that at another time with maybe some different people, but I think a lot of people just take that to an extreme. You could take anything to an extreme. I mentioned to your mom that anything taken an extreme can hurt you. As I mean, you could, you could die from water. It's called drowning. So (laughs) drowning is, uh, is a, is a thing. And that's and water supposed to help anything, anything that becomes a vice in your life can be, um, can be bad. We look back, Dungeons and Dragons is a huge part of of this new series, well, of this series, of this phenomenon, worldwide phenomenon called Stranger Things. And so season one, I thought was fantastic. Um, you know, whenever they start these new series, I'm always excited to, to see what else they come up with the next season. And I really didn't think that they could top season one. Mm-hmm. Season one was fun. It was just so much fun. And... Um, the way that they portrayed the upside down and all of these different things, it was just fantastic. And then season two came out. What did you think mm-hmm. about season two? Um, it was definitely on a larger scale than season one. I think there were a lot more comedic elements of the second season. The first season seemed a little bit more serious in terms of kind of setting everything up. And then the second season, they played around with more character development, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think they did a disservice to Will a little bit because Will's character, I think we're, we're going to talk about it in season three. I think you see a little bit more of his personality coming out in season three, mm-hmm. but in season one and even season two, he was kind of like, very closed off. Yeah. Very closed off. And, and actually I liked him the most because he's, he's the central character. Mm-hmm. I mean, 11 is the one that fights all the evil off, but he's the, he's patient zero. Mm-hmm. He's the character that um, that pretty much sets everything off. Without him, you know, the rest of the seasons would... I mean, he never goes missing, so nobody ever goes searching for him. Right. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a story to be told about Eleven, but without the four central boys and Will in particular in his situation... You know, Eleven doesn't join up with them and and everything like that because they never go out to look for Will, for Will, and they never find Eleven. Mm-hmm. So, Will is uh, Will is an underserved character, underrated to a certain degree, and I think that um, I really appreciate what they did in, in this season with Will to kind of develop, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so, uh, season two was, I think, season two. Did they mention the Russians at all in season one? Mm-mm. No. Not at all? No. I don't know if they even did in season two, really. Yeah, they did. Remember, it was a Russian... Remember, oh, that's how that Murray was. with the with Murray, yeah. Russian conspiracy. The Russian conspiracy, like and, and so they introduced it. So, 
this is why it's so it's such a smart series. It's almost like they like Marvel has a 10-year arc, right, mm-hmm. for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, phase one, two, three, and four. And you'd be silly to think that phase five, six, and seven are probably not are already planned out. Right. So it's like with the, it's like this with Stranger Things, like they've already they've created the whole series mm-hmm. start to end. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about some spoiler predictions that that we have about that. I remember the Duffer brothers uh, who produced the series. They were talking about how even with this next season, they already have like broad strokes as far as what they want to do and it's just getting down the nitpicky details of the story and the characters and things like that that they're working on so like when we when i write sit down to write a script uh we there's three there's three phases before you actually write a script kind of and i guess it depends on for me because it depends on who you ask Mm -hmm. there's the outline which is just like these are just general ideas Mm -hmm. you know the order of things then there's a skeleton where you where you flesh out you know segments of the story a little bit more and then there's a treatment which is like okay well how are we going to make this how how would this movie play out you know over the course of two or three hours and then you get to writing the script so Mm -hmm. they're probably at the skeleton stage i think those are the broad strokes because i think they've outlined it from the very beginning right and they have a story because it, it's not created by the duffer brothers they're they're, they're just the, are they the creators or are they they're the, the creators of it you mm-hmm. sure i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna fact check you on that Let's see, because I thought I saw somebody uh, else's name uh, that was the creator of um, Stranger Things. Let's see, Stranger Things. Mm. Oh, no, yeah. They created it, and then them and... um, What's the other guy's name? I thought there was... I thought I saw somebody else on there. There's another guy who he directs some of the episodes, and then he's also a producer of the show. I can't remember. Oh, Sean Levy? Yeah, Sean Levy. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, the Duffer brothers are solely responsible. I'd love to, like... Okay, so... Like, what was the catalyst for them to create the series? Mm -hmm. Like, what... What were they doing? They said, oh, man, this would be great. You know, right. Um, I have an idea because this show came out in 2016, right? 16 or 17. I think 16. 16. All right. And there's an incident uh, that happened around 2016 that a lot of people really wasn't, it wasn't worldwide. Well, I guess it was worldwide news because it was really worldwide news back in, uh, you know, 30 years ago, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit, but. So they introduced Russia into 19, was it, that would be 1984, right? 84, yeah. Okay. So a little bit of a spoiler warning is I think that there's going to be five seasons. Five? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of good series end usually about five seasons. Um, uh, a couple, science fiction especially. Like uh, um, Fringe ended in five seasons. Another one that isn't science fiction, but Breaking Bad was five mm-hmm. seasons. Uh, it's almost like that's the that's the golden number right there. Like five five seasons is enough to see character growth, story arc, completion. Uh, there's a couple of ones like Game of Thrones. I think that they were eight seasons, but they had so much content. Um, but um, I don't know. I could see them going to about five seasons. Mm. Um, I, I, depending on what broad strokes and how many episodes, because 
how many episodes have each season had so far? Um, the first season had eight, eight, and then the second had nine, I believe. And then this last one had, had eight as well. Eight. Yeah, I would like to see if they're going to complete the series. It, it probably needs to have at least twelve, or mm-hmm. it would be cool if they like the last, or if they stopped with eleven episodes. <laughs> you know, yeah, for the last season, um, because I could I could see a lot of things happening in season four. But then again, I guess we'll just have to wait. We'll just have to wait we'll for see. for things, yeah, for things to kind of close up. I do have a nah. I, I keep wanting to say stuff <laughs> about the about the about my prediction, and um, but anyway, so season two ends with the lab closing mm-hmm. out finally, mm-hmm. and then closing out the lab, and and uh, Murray. Sitting at the gate. At the gate. At the gate. Waving like at waving at all of them, go up goodbyes, like all oh, these these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and season three opens up. So here we go. Hold on. Before we continue, everybody, this is this is major spoilers coming. So please, if you have not seen Stranger Things season three, you know, go watch it, come back, and then uh add your comments and, and, and things below. And uh, and then we'll and then you'll you'll be able to enjoy this podcast a little bit better. But Stranger Things Season 3 starts out, do you remember? Uh, it's in Russia. It's in Russia, right. And what are they What are they doing? They're, they're, they're trying to open the gate. Yeah. So it said, does it say in Russia? Does it say Russia? Mm-hmm. It says Russia, right? Yeah. But then that, that's a work. huge detail. Mm-hmm. It's a huge detail because, it. yes, it doesn't work, right? They're trying to figure out. But... And then it cuts to what six months later or something like that. Something like that, and then it's back in. Hawkins. It's back in Hawkins, with Russians again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which would have given that that six months would have given them the time to to travel to Hawkins. Yeah, because later on in the series they talk about it's not just about it's not just about um, the energy requirement, but it's also about the location, the location. The location. So uh, I think that they that the Russians used the Hawkins experiment to to break through the location, which we'll get to the ending sequence here in a little bit. But uh, episode one, that was... Um, uh, what I thought was really interesting about episode one was Alexi, who nobody really paid any mind to in the first couple episodes, becomes mm-hmm. such a huge character later on. And, uh, and so there's a lot of foreshadowing in those first couple episodes with the machine, Mm-hmm. With the energy, with them reestablishing themselves in Hawkins, um, and the other thing that I really um, that I really thought was really cool was when they introduced the mall. Because oh, right. yeah, because that was in episode one, right? Because that's yeah. right when they show where they show oh, everyone they introduce. Because yeah. Dustin gets back from camp, everyone's uh-huh. at the mall. Steve is working at Scoops Ahoy now. Yeah, and it was just. I mean, there's malls today. There's a couple malls that are still alive, but a lot of the old malls that have been around since the 80s, they're dying. Like, um, yeah, I don't even. It's, there's some really cool ideas that we've had about uh, mm-hmm. what to do with uh, with, uh, with with the mall, doing thing with the mall and stuff like that. So we have some really cool ideas. And send us a send me a PM if you're interested. If you have millions of dollars to invest in a in a venture <laughs> to rejuvenate these old malls. Um, but yeah, it, it was it captured it captured the essence of what it was to grow up in the eighties and the nineties. Like 
as soon as school was over, we'd take the Metro down to Fiesta Mall and we'd just hang out. Or um, Now there's some a bunch of malls in my own hometown. Um, Chan- there's the Chandler Fashion Square. And then there's now they have these outdoor malls. So they're not like... Like the, the strip malls? No, they're not strip malls. They're like like a bunch of store. It, it, it basically it's a mall without a roof. So mm-hmm. like, and you can you can walk under you know the sky. It's 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 nice if it wasn't in Arizona. I don't. Know. It's just, <laughs> it's just not really a good good thing to do in the middle of the summer, um, unless they put like some sort of covering shadow covering. But um, San Diego has a couple malls like that. I remember when I was there with my sister that we had. Uh, I went to a mall and. Uh, just walked around and it was an outdoors mall. It's basically like a bunch of strip malls just close together that you can walk in between uh-huh. with no fear of uh, like cars running you over or anything like that. Um, and what I thought was really interesting right at the beginning, I, I want to say it was like the first three minutes of of the of the season. The first three minutes? Well, no, it's it like it's after the no, it was like the CGI budget went through oh, the right. was like. It was, everything was like super better than mm-hmm. like, cause we have a really high resolution television. And I remember when we were recapping or re binging on season one, everything looked not great. <laughs> like you could see the green screen and you could see a little, little hints of the green screen and you could see the Demogorgons, how they were kind of like CGI and stuff like I that. In the beginning, they did a lot of um, work with the Demogorgons where they had an actual person like in a costume. Oh, okay. I and didn't realize that. Because I remember seeing a YouTube video where they were spending all this time to put the guy into the costume and then having him do, like, motion work. And then they, I think, CG over the top of that. Okay. I didn't I didn't realize that. That's That's kind of neat. That's a whole different... That's a whole different element, but they did use a lot of CGI mm-hmm. in, in the first season, and it was very noticeable. You could tell that the budget was was significantly different now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. What else about episode one that stood out? Um, so we talked about the timeline. Um, what I thought was, what I wrote down here is it says it says the timeline. It's one year later, so it's actually. There had to have happened, something had to have happened in Hawkins because it's one year later, but during that time, the Russians had to have bought the land. They had to build an industrial site and then reopen the the netherworld or the upside down, right? So during that whole time, and what I'm wondering, well, I guess this this plays into the mayor Mm -hmm. because the mayor was the one who was conspiring with them. Well, he wasn't even conspiring. He was just... You know, like any little city trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, crooked mayors, you know, trying to fill their own pockets with with deals and stuff like that. That's how they got. That's how they got. um, They were able because during that one episode, I don't remember which episode was that that uh, he beats up the mayor. Mm -hmm. The hopper beats up the mayor. Yeah. When they're in the. I think it might be. And he sees all the deeds Mm -hmm. or something like that. Right. And it's like, oh, look at they sold this. They sold that or something Mm -hmm. like that. Back so, in his house. Um, you know, you probably couldn't do that nowadays. Right. Because nowadays with social media, everybody's blabbering. Mm-hmm. Everybody's blabbing and saying, hey, you know, you that's a shady deal. You know, that's a shady politician. And uh, I just think it's really funny because we're kind of experiencing that now in our own little city. Um, 
Um, but yeah, so um, let's see here. I was wanting to say, is there any anything else that stood out uh, from episode episode one? Episode one, not really. I remember you making a comment one time when we were watching it about how about the stores in the mall, how you were like, oh, like these are like the original. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They you did out that that's how it looked when you exactly. Would go to the mall. Yeah, like the food courts and everything like that. I remember that the malls used to be just stores at first. And if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was Fiesta Mall that was one of the first ones that had a food court. Really? And it became super popular because it's like, oh my gosh, you can, not only can you go there and hang out, but you can go there, hang out and eat. Mm-hmm. And then I remember there was another one and there was a movie theater across the street, but it was, you'd have to leave the mall and walk across the parking lot and go to the, go to the other you know, across the street to the to the movie to the theater. theater. Uh, but then they started including theaters in the malls, and that just was was super awesome. Um, I'm trying to think: is there is there a theater in any of the malls here? They don't do that much anymore. I know. I think the, at the Riverwalk they still. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have the one theater that's in there. I think the Riverwalk is old too. The River River what's it called? The River Center Mall. Right. I think so. River Center Mall. How old is the River Center Mall? River Center Mall. It was opened. Oh no, it's it's, it's old. It was opened in 1988. Okay, so yeah, so. that's about right. Because I remember Fiesta Mall opened in the mid 80s, and then and then we started seeing malls like in the late, early 90s over there in Arizona, malls that had movie theaters, and that was really cool. So they just became like the all hangout place. Everybody goes to the mall. You know, and um, yeah, everything inside of the Star Court was like spot on. It looked exactly like I remembered it. So it was really cool. It was, they did a really good job. Like, I mean, I can't, it's hard to knock them for anything. Right. Is there any plot holes that you can remember? Not really. They seem to touch base on just about everything when they. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I've seen a lot of people's like, why is the Mind Flayer alive? Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people forget that he, at the end of season two, when it, when he when they're burning him out of mm-hmm. Will, was it like the last or second to last episode or whatever? Mm-hmm. When they're burning him out of Will, it flies out as the thing is closing, right? And it goes up and and, and I think Into Nancy, yeah, Nancy follows it and it kind of just goes up in the sky. And it looks like it just disappears. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't realize that that's actually it surviving. It, yeah, it was finding out a way it, to survive. It left Will and kind of just floated out. And I think it, because they closed the gate, it went dormant. But when the Russians opened the gate back up, it came back to life. And that's when it started collecting, uh, like, the rats and things like that to start building its new body. Yeah, and that's that leads into episode two, which is, which, um, it gets him right away pretty much, right? Because mm-hmm. Billy's like this, this badass kind of guy that loves older women, right? And, uh. But it's different because it's almost like the the mind flare, the this supernatural being or demon or whatever. It um, it has evolved. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, okay, I'm not gonna beat them this way. I'm I'm gonna beat them that you know this other way. And so it evolves, like you said, the rats. And how does it? How does how does it get Billy? I forget. Um, I think once the rats start becoming a part of the mind flare then it has a physical body that it it, i remember he's driving his car to go meet with mrs wheeler 
Oh, right, right, right. the thing hits his windshield, and he veers off into the... What hits his windshield? Is it one of the bugs? I think it just, like, throws some of its its fleshiness (laughs) at him. Some of its gunk. Some of its supernatural gunk. (laughs) So, (laughs) I was going to say something really bad, but uh, I held my tongue. Thank you, Lord. All right. Um, So, okay, so there's some sort of possession, Mm -hmm. right? And what do you think is the... is the point of the mind flare like what's his purpose um at first i was confused because when they had the demogorgons i thought it was just this creature working alone that just wanted to you know survive and have something to eat in the upside down i guess okay but then as the mind flare was introduced it became more of like they mentioned in the show, this hive mind where it's actually controlling all of these things. Right, because in season two, it's controlling the demo, mm-hmm. the demo dogs, right? The mm-hmm. demo dogs. Okay. Which appear to just be younger versions of a demogorgon. Yeah, we find out later that yes, that they are just basically infant, demo, mm-hmm. full-grown demogorgons. So, but what's the point of it? And you think its point is just to like kill well, everything? I think in, or that's, just... that's what it tells them in season three, I believe, is when. When it's speaking through Billy, he says that he's going to kill um, Eleven, and then he's going to kill all her friends, but then they just want to kill everyone. And so I think it's... What would be the point of that? I don't know. I I mean, it's I guess you could see it as sort of just like a power move, like it just wants to... Just assert. like a parasite? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So it's just basically like a spiritual parasite that's just trying to just... Mm-hmm. I hate people being happy. And so then it just wants to destroy everything. Um, like what's its motive other than it exists existing? Yeah, I don't know. That may be something that is introduced later uh-huh. on. But I think as of right now, it just wants to kill everything and just have control over everything and everyone. Yeah, that's a... Like expansion yeah. and conquering. Yeah, that's a good, that would be a good thing to like try to figure out. Like that'd be a good conversation to have. Like what's the point of it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we know, you know, as Christians that the, that the whole point of the, of the, of the devil or whatever is to steal. He's like the, the thief. Well, well, let's just, let's just back, backtrack a little bit. Not necessarily the devil, even though in this, um, in this, uh, passage of scripture it says that the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but uh when you think about a thief you know what's the motive of a thief maybe the thief is hungry and he needs mm-hmm. to feed his family right so he's needing to he's needing to steal so that he can feed his family you know so there's different elements of a thief so while to us the mind flayer is evil what if to it it's just like man i just I'm unemployed. <laughs> I'm an unemployed mind player, and I just need to, I just need to feed my family. And and he, to him, he's innocent. He's like, these are just little beings that are in mm-hmm. my way. They're like a pestilence, and I just need to get rid of them so that I could feed my family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it's a it's a weird matter of perspective, but for all intents and purposes, he's just like, man, I just need to get rid of these rats, these little human rats. They're in my way, and I just need to, you know. This is this is where we're gonna put up our new house, and I have dreams of putting a a mind flare pool in the backyard so my little demo dogs can play in it, and that's that's what he wants. I mean, 
we're being mean to a mind flare and we don't even know what the reason is for mm -hmm. or the reason for him existing is for. So you uh, could maybe also take a look at a viewpoint in which because he is an interdimensional sort of being, what if the upside down was similar to our version of reality before? But the reason it is the way it is, is because perhaps he has depleted that dimension of all its resources. And now he's coming to... In which case, he would basically just be a cancer. Mm -hmm. and you so know? he's trying to come over here and yeah. deplete all so the So he's like a... Here. He's just like a... A multiverse being that just goes from dimension to dimension, just devouring resources. Mm -hmm. Just so what you're saying is that he doesn't have a family, and he, right. and he just <laughs> he, he's just selfish. He's just a selfish, uh, thieving, just entity that just wants to consume mm -hmm. everything in its path because that's what gives it pleasure. Right. Okay, I like my version better. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so. Uh, Episode three, that's when we start getting into the, the Russian spy code and stuff like that. I um, I thought it was really clever how they played it out because um, that goes back to like old school spying where they would just, you know, just recite code and recite poems and things like that. And, um, and, and, and over airwaves. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was during World War II. The United States used the Navajo, and they would they would broadcast this these these signals. I mean, not everybody had hopper radios that could you know pick up broadband and stuff like that, but people with ham radios and specialized radio systems could pick up the code talk of, and that's what they were called. They were called the code talkers, the Navajo code talkers, mm -hmm. and they would just speak you know, instructions to, to people across the ocean and, and say, okay, at this time and at that time, we're going to, you know, attack and destroy this. But I thought it was really neat how they incorporated the spy code and everything. And then when, like, they were talking about the silver cat and what, what else, the, the Chinese moon or what, when, when yellow meets blue in the West, in the West. Yeah, that was really clever. Those, that, that code was really, really neat. Um, uh, let's see here. So, oh, did you were you able to figure any of those those things out? Oh, no, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. The only thing that I that I figured out was the the silver was it the silver fox or the silver cat? The or, silver cat, because yeah. that was the the company that yeah, was doing all that. Was that. the only thing that I figured out? I'm like, oh, you know, because it reminded me of when when Trinity told Neil follow the white rabbit mm -hmm. and. And the white rabbit was a tattoo on that girl. Right. And so that to him meant, oh, that I'm supposed to go with him. You know, so it was similar to that, that ref, like kind of like that kind of messaging. So I'm like, okay, it's probably like a company. In my head, I'm thinking it's probably like a company. Um, but um, yeah, one thing that I really noticed in episode three was that, that made this again, I realized it. I had probably, you know, just accepted it throughout the seasons, but in episode three, I really loved how the dialogue was paced. Mm -hmm. Like everything, I, I can't, there's just not enough compliments to make for this ser series because just the way that um, I almost, there's a part in season three where Hopper and um, and Joyce are arguing and and just the pacing of the argument where 
you know, they're fighting with each other. It was really, really cool because um, I noticed underneath that the music was following along with them. Mm-hmm. Like the like as they would as they would say something and then it'd be revealed and like oh and then the music would change. I think every a lot of people don't realize how powerful that is that 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 the pacing of the music followed the pacing of the argument, mm-hmm. and it was just really really neat. And they don't a lot of especially amateur filmmakers don't understand the power of of a a perfectly timed music bed, mm-hmm. and uh, that was really really well done for me. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, I, oh, I and and another thing I noticed in episode three was w- the introduction of Miss Driscoll. Oh right. When they were talking at the table, remember they were talking about. Um, oh, she's just uh, she's a conspiracy theorist and all that mm-hmm. stuff. She's she said that Johnson killed Kennedy. Do you remember that part? Yeah. I, that stuck out, stuck stood out to me, and this is the reason why because there actually is a conspiracy theory that Lyndon Johnson had Kennedy killed. And there's a lot of uh, things out right now about supernatural things and uh, alien conspiracy theories that Kennedy, well, not Area 51, but um, some things that had happened in New Mexico where they found this cave of ancient artifacts. I want to say it's New Mexico. And Kennedy was going to reveal it in the early sixties. Like, Hey, this is, this is like a national treasure. And he, John Kennedy was adamantly against secret societies against, he was all for government transparency. Like, Hey, this is what we have. And so essentially what, um, what ended up happening was, uh, this is kind of a known, it's not a fact because it's still a conspiracy theory, but, that he was going to reveal a lot of what the CIA was doing, a lot of what the a lot of what the secret government projects were and stuff like that. If you re- if I don't know if you've ever read, but Project Blue Book was around this time when they were trying to figure out where all these UFOs were coming. And the idea in this conspiracy theory is that Johnson being the the hand of the of the industri- military industrial complex said we can't have that like that cannot happen Mm -hmm. so he conspired the idea is that johnson conspired with the cia who conspired with russia see a lot of people don't there's a russia connection that conspired with russia because lee harvey oswald was was he was in the military he was a marine if i'm not mistaken and when he left he was so disheartened with the way that the government was run he left the united states and he did a stint in russia and his wife was a russian national when he came back here you know this a lot of people say that maybe lee harvey oswald had connections with russian cia like a russian kgb and stuff like mm-hmm. that and he's the one that conspired with the cia to have john f kennedy assassinated so i thought that was a really interesting detail because that connection between Johnson and Kennedy that Ms. Driscoll stated mm-hmm. has a connection to Russia, which is what half of season two and all of season three is about, mm-hmm. is about a connection to Russia. And so there's a small little detail that I don't think a lot of people picked up on. And if you're a conspiracy theorist, you fought, you, you heard it. You heard it and you're like, ah, Johnson and Kennedy, Russia, Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, that's all connected. It's all connected to... So then it makes me wonder, how does Driscoll, 
Mrs. Driscoll, how is she connected to Russia? Mm-hmm. So it points to me like there's like Russia has had some sort of influence in Hawkins for a lot longer than what we're being shown in the series. Mm-hmm. Like there's people in there, like maybe the mayor, uh, maybe other characters that we haven't discovered been yet. Introduced to. Yeah, been introduced to, uh, which I think season four will touch on a lot more. Um, uh, and this is a complete abstraction from from what I'm just saying, but another thing that they introduced in episode three, which I thought was really subtle was, and I don't know what, how to take this, but there's two ways. Uh, when Mike and will get in a fight over the D and D game, Mm. remember? And, and, uh, will says, you know, you're always with your stupid girlfriend or something like that. And then Mike says, it's not our fault that you don't like girls. Yeah. And I thought that was really powerful in two, that can mean two things. That can mean either Will is not matured as much as the rest of the guys, mm-hmm. because all of them have girlfriends except for him, you know, oh, yeah. Susie Q, you know, Eleven and Max and uh, uh, what's his name? Who? There's Mike, There's Will, Mike, Dustin, Will, and Mike, Will, Dustin, and Caleb. Caleb. Wait, Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, Caleb is real. The actor. The yeah. actor. Right. I'm like, it's not Caleb. Why can't I think Lucas? So Lucas and Max, um, Mike and Eleven, Dustin and Susie, and Will and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Will is in love, so he has an obsession with Dungeons and Dragons. So it could either point to the fact that he doesn't want—he hasn't grown up yet. You know, he hasn't hit that level of maturity. And the fact that his hair is cut is kind of still like the same from when he was a kid three, four years ago. You know that that could play into the maturity factor but i also thought it was interesting that he didn't respond when he said we can't help it that you don't like girls it was almost like the rest of the guys knew that he doesn't like girls but they hadn't mentioned it mm-hmm. so it's almost a subtle way to introduce perhaps his his orientation what do you think is that a stretch i don't know maybe um but i think even if that is the case it would be very difficult for him to actually express that because even in because of the time that that was it was a lot yeah. less you know acceptable normal. yeah right. acceptable for for that uh, i think that's made apparent in the seventh episode when um steve and robin are having that conversation yeah that's true because she's probably braver than what will would be and she doesn't fully come out mm-hmm. she just kind of hey man I'm trying to tell you something here without telling you something yeah yeah um so we talked about uh in season season or episode three is where they cracked the code and everything like that i thought that was really neat um but i thought that was really cool how they threw that in there about um it's almost like it's almost like evolving or developing his character without actually having to dive into that you know Mm -hmm. it's almost like just hey here's a little bit of representation of who will is and there you have it i think you can also um see the maturity side of things as well because uh at the end of that episode actually when he goes back to castle buyers and he's looking at those old pictures of when they were younger so it's almost like a goodbye to innocence kind of thing. Sort of, yeah, because you know he 
has that breakdown and he tears up all the pictures of them when they were younger dressing up and playing D and D and things like that. And mm -hmm. then he takes, he destroys the castle. Right. Yeah. I guess that could, that could point to his, to the other fact, which is just his maturity. Mm -hmm. You know, he's saying goodbye to his innocence and in a very visceral way. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good take. I totally forgot that they went, that he went back there. Uh, episode four. Um, I like this one. This is the one where, uh, it starts out where they're trying to, where Nancy and her boyfriend are trying to get that story. Mm -hmm. And she presents the story to Mrs. Driscoll's story to, to the newspaper and they kind of make fun of her. I thought this was really interesting for two things. Um, yes, granted she's an intern and she shouldn't probably have been in that situation where she's, where she's, um, uh, trying to assert herself because she's just an intern mm -hmm. uh, and she doesn't really know. She has a very naive view of how it should work. And I saw a couple of things introduced here, which was equality. Like, Hey, I'm a woman and, and I can, I can contribute. And they're just laughing at her because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but later on, what's the boyfriend's name? Jonathan. Jonathan. Uh, he's saying he starts to, talk about how look we're just interns we can't you can't just barge in there i mean we're only interns we haven't earned the right to sit at that table mm -hmm. now granted all those guys were jerks right right they were all just chauvinistic jerks um uh and they didn't have any right to treat her that way but back in that time that was the norm and the other thing that was introduced so you have a, a an equality gap there. The other thing that was introduced that was very relevant was the fact that um, when they were driving away after they got fired, mm -hmm. remember after they got fired because Mr. School was talking about suing them and everything like that. Was that this yeah, episode? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The beginning of the episode because she had already gone to the hospital mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how she was a schizophrenic and yeah. how her family was super upset that they yeah, and they were thinking about suing the newspaper and shutting them down, and so they fired. They got fired. So on their way away from that, when they were talking in the car, Jonathan was trying to explain to her, "Hey, you can't do that because you're just, you're just, uh, you're just a, an intern girl." Mm -hmm. and he's like, "Well, you don't know what it's like." He's like, "Well, you know, this is my only job. Like, we know what it's like to be poor, mm -hmm. and we know what it's like to search for a job, and." And not and have people tell you no, you know, based on your ethnicity or based on your name or whatever. Uh, not necessarily that directly happened to me. I'm, I, I that that was a miss. I misspoke there. But my point is that, you know, being poor, you experience life differently. Mm -hmm. You experience life completely different. Like your friends are all going to this really fancy restaurant, and you're like, I'll just go. And then you go, and then you order just an appetizer for you and your wife, mm -hmm. and you just both get waters. Because, and then what you say is you're not hungry. Well, in reality, it's, you don't have enough money to mm -hmm. eat like everybody else does, but you want to be a part of the group. So you go and you just make up an excuse like, oh, we're, we're, we're fasting, you know, we're not hungry. And that's, uh, that was really real to me because I've been poor and we've been in situations where we don't have enough money to do what everybody else is doing. You know, we don't buy the season passes to this and the season passes to that. And, um, uh, and she says she's talking to him about 
the gender gap between, mm-hmm. you know, between males and females and how females are kind of like second class citizens in the mm-hmm. workforce. And he's talking to her about, you know, well, like you don't understand economic. what it's, you, yeah, the economic gap, which is you don't understand what it's like to be poor. You know, like this job was supposed to pay for my college and mm-hmm. now I don't have it. You know, she didn't have to worry about that because she has college paid for. Mm-hmm. All she cared about was her ideology of the, of the equal treatment between men and women. What he was doing is he was talking about, you know, just surviving economically. Mm-hmm. Like I needed this job so that I could get money to go to school. I thought that was really powerful conversation. I don't know if anybody else noticed it. I'm sure some people did, but that stuck out to me because that's, that's uh, really close to our life. You know, I don't know how much you remember from when you were a kid, but we, you know, we weren't, we weren't very rich. I mean, we're not rich now, but um, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't doing so hot for several years there when we were little, but um, we tried to make it so where you guys never could tell, but I'm pretty sure you could tell if you look back, but uh, that was really interesting. And then they introduced the character of Erica, Mm -hmm. Erica at Scoops Ahoy. And one of the things that stood out to me was the the statement where she says, well, you can't spell America without (laughs) Erica. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool how they introduced her character um and they introduced her well because she had spunk she had pizzazz she had she had an attitude that perfectly fit the narrative Mm -hmm. i thought and helped out helped the storyline tremendously it wasn't just one of those tropes where you know you throw in a black character just for the sake of throwing in a black character like she was a strong young kid that had attitude that had had worth that contributed hugely to the to the plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, without Erica, you you don't get any of the rest of the episodes. So it was so cool how they incorporated it. Uh, she was actually more important than than Lucas was. I would say she was more instrumental than the character of Lucas yeah. because of how she helped them get into the Russian thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think of What do you think of her character? I think she has a lot of um energy and a lot of like you were saying that attitude which i think was introduced a little bit in the second season because there were those small parts of the second season where she was there and she yeah like like at the door and when she would be on the walkie-talkie and like the interactions between her and lucas um and you start to see that character that becomes this pivotal role in the third season yeah that was a really good... Yeah, I forgot that she was in season two. Well, I didn't forget. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um, but yeah, those interactions were very pivotal to to her development. And she was just great. I think whoever that little girl was, I don't know. I don't I know her, her name. Her name's Priya Ferguson? Well, you, you know better than me. <laughs> you took probably more detailed notes than I did. Um, and you memorized them. I'm over here on like an old man reading from a piece of digital paper here. Um and uh, one thing that was that, that that struck me outside of you know moving forward in episode four was um, how Will could still feel the flare. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Why do you think? How do you explain that? I think because he had that connection with the mind flare because the mind flare was a part of him for so long. I think when for it, two seasons, right? Yeah, and when it left, I think he still had part of that in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got out everything they could to control, but 
I guess he, at this point, knows what it feels like to have the mind flare there. So mm-hmm. anytime that it is there, he can just kind of sense it like that um, familiarity. His Peter tingles? Um, his... <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, that's a reference from, from that movie, his Peter tingles. So he's got his wheel, wheel his willy tingles. Ugh, that, that, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all. He's got will tingles. <laughs> <laughs> Will Tingles. And the um, amount of times that he touches his neck during the season. Oh, you said something about that. Like oh, there was a... earlier, I was watching uh, this interview, and they were talking about you know doing a drinking game, take a shot every time that Will touches his neck during the season, because any time anything has to do with the mind flare, he's like, "It's here, <laughs> it's here, I can feel it." It was almost like a Jedi sense. It was his. It was his Peter Tingles. Um, yeah, and he was, well, I think season two, he'd had a lot of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, for all that happened to him in season one, you know, can you imagine? I mean, I remember Gavin got lost one time, um, and we lost him in a, in a very busy mall. And that scared, I mean, he was, he was missing for over 15 minutes. And, I mean not seeing your kid for two or three minutes like you know in a crowd that's kind of scary but we could not find him and so you know we found obviously we found him he's, he's still with us <laughs> but uh you know that whole time was just so scary without him and um i don't know what it was like for him to him he was just like looking for us you know what i'm saying he wasn't if i remember correctly he wasn't very frightened at all he was just like i don't know where my parents are you know um, maybe we should have a conversation with that about that. But um, uh, he, I can't imagine being a lost kid. Well, I can, because I got lost once when I was little. I got lost in 1986. I was eight years old, and I got lost. But I got lost at Disneyland. So it's not like it's like it's not like I got lost in a mall with all these scary adults. It was like I got lost at Disneyland where. where there's Mickey Mouse and there's Goofy and there's Pluto. So it wasn't like I was lost in a very bad place. And come to find out, my dad was actually, actually had seen me and he just kept following me to see where I would go. So it wasn't like I was ever really lost. I was just like curious. You know, I'm like, well, okay, I can't find my parents. I guess I'll just keep walking around till I, <laughs> till I see, uh, till I see them. And they had gone into the Pirates of the Caribbean. And I guess I got, I got lost when they were, when they were going in the line because the line at the pirates of the caribbean um in disneyland is really weird so like i turned around and they were gone i didn't see them going to the line and so i just kept walking and walking i went into the little french quarter and then i went to the and then i I guess my dad found me at the haunted mansion and so i wasn't necessarily scared but my point being that i can't imagine being will being stuck for a whole season for i don't know how long does that take place it's just over the course of a couple of days right yeah, just a few days like a week or not not a, not a week or not a not, week nothing like that well remember i can't remember how long does week does let's see here i think it was just a few days it had to have been i can't remember what the timeline is i'll have to look that up i didn't research that but whatever it is let's say it's I mean, like I said, Gavin was gone for 15 minutes and that was torture for us. Mm-hmm. So imagine him being gone for three days, you know, in in this crazy, scary looking world. Um, 
my point being everything that happened in season two i mean the amount of traumatic stress that he had Mm -hmm. because of all that you know the fact that he only gets a tingle every once in a while is actually kind of kind of pretty uh good recovery you know when you think about it in the in the grand scope like he spent several days in the some one of the creepiest darkest forests imaginable and then he was possessed by this mind flare thing for several days if not a week Mm -hmm. Uh, for him to only come out of it would just Peter Tingles, I think, I think he did all right. And then it actually, it's kind of, it kind of turns into his superpower <laughs> because he's able to tell, you know, the Where group that he's with is. is like, Hey, there's danger coming. Like, you know, um, let's see here. Um, one thing in episode four was when she was fighting, uh, Billy. what's his name? Billy at that pool. That was just, was it Gavin got ahead of us, right? Gavin got ahead of us mm-hmm. watching these, 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 uh, episodes. And you just said this one, just, just this one four. and you said I he remember, was screaming. I remember cause I had left to take a shower to get ready for work. And, <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, you can just keep watching it. I'll watch it at work while I'm waiting to clock in. And so I got out of the shower and I, I called down. I was like, is it over? And he's like, no, it's not over. And so I stayed upstairs and then, you know, towards when the episode would have been ending, He's just like downstairs, like screaming at the TV. Yeah. Ah! Just, and Gavin, y'all know Gavin. Well, whoever, most of y'all won't know Gavin, but uh, for those that do know that the dude is just hyper. I don't know. He's not hyper emotional, but he just screams at everything. I, I guess I do too. But um, so he gets that from me. But yeah, it's it's hilarious to watch him just like get get anxious about you know, this sequence and this sequence was just insane. So at there at the end, he's uh, L and Billy start fighting. Cause they're trying to, they're trying to smoke out the, the, mm-hmm. the mind flare out of Billy the same way that they tried to, that the same way that they tried to get due to will. And they were successful with will, but with Billy, he, he just over, he was too strong. He was and too strong. Scene in the sauna with, Billy, I think, well with Billy, I think it was like super like, well done and super emotional. Uh-huh. Um, when he's like pleading and he's talking about like, please, like, yeah, I didn't mean to, he made me do it and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's almost like a mechanism that the mind flare has learned. It's mm-hmm. like, these guys are susceptible. I'm going to, well, unless that was really Billy was actually Billy. I don't think so. And I he's actually, think... because I, I remember Will talking about how, the thing is dormant until it needs you. And I think at the beginning part of that sequence, that's actually Billy like super angry at them to let him out. And he's actually like hurting and actually regretting these things because he's killed people. And yeah, that makes sense. And I don't think because there's that physical um, indicator with, his veins turning black and things like that. But, and it wasn't until like after he was already part of the way through his pleading that Will was like, Hey, he's here. Oh, that makes, yeah, dude, that's, that's a great observation. I didn't even think about that. You're right. All right. So it was, it was Billy just being Billy, just mm-hmm. being upset. I see what you're saying. And then when it arrived, Will mm-hmm. was like, <laughs> did his thing with his neck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. It's a great observation. Didn't even think of it that way. 
But yeah, that makes sense. So it was Billy, and then it arrived. It was like, now, now I'm gonna take over, mm-hmm. and that's when it. That's when all and chaos. And he grabbed the thing and hit through the window. Hit through the glass to try to get Max and everything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Another um, um, note about that episode that I thought was funny. Um, it was an interview with Dacre Montgomery about um, the season, and he was talking about that episode in particular. And he had mentioned that because um, obviously he's Australian, and so when he has to do this accent for this character, um, which is a pretty good accent um, mm-hmm. that he maintains throughout the show. But um, I went back and rewatched that part of the episode and because he had talked about how he falls back into his Australian accent when he's breaking through the window and yelling at them to let him out. And oh, so there's the I, part where watch he, that. he like is cursing at them. He's he says that he's gonna gut them, and it's in an Australian accent. Oh, I, Ooh, I gotta listen to that. I'm gonna we gotta go back after the podcast. Let's go watch that that episode to see what happens there. Ah, I didn't catch that. That's really neat. That's really neat. Um, yeah, but that was an intense sequence altogether. That fight, I really thought that. I thought Elle was going to die in that in that sequence. I was like, "Oh man, no, they're going to kill her." Um and I think it points to points to the future. Uh it's a foreshadowing, I think, is eventually I think to some degree Elle has to die. Mm-hmm. You can't have you can't have a series where you well, I guess you could have a series where you don't kill off any important characters, but there's no drama. There's no. There's nothing well, in that. that. Kills off important. Ca- like Billy was. Yeah, but he was. He was still a tertiary character. I mean, he was important in the fact that, you know, he created tension in season two. Mm-hmm. And he was and, almost uh, the whole conflict in season three. He was the physical embodiment of. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't like one of the four, one of the five. One of the four. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Max. I think is still more important. Because she, she, she's a big influencer of Eleven in this season. Yeah. Yeah. All the puppy love and everything, all the infatuations that are happening. So she's, she helps out a lot there. Yeah. Well, I guess he's not, yeah, you're right. He's not a tertiary character. He's a, he's a main character, but, um, at least in the third season. But I think that, I think that one of the main characters will have to die Mm -hmm. and we're going to go ahead and end this this podcast right now and make this like a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to go ahead and conclude it to make it easier for you guys to consume. So guys, make sure that you like subscribe and share this podcast and uh, we'll be releasing episode. Uh, I guess, I guess this would be what 6.5 or <laughs> what is it? Let's see. Uh, yeah. 6.5, which is, which will be the second part of stranger things. So it just makes you easier for you guys to listen to. And, uh, Yeah, we'll look forward to the next, uh, reviewing the next couple chapters, next couple episodes. All right. You don't have to clap. (laughs) (laughs) 